to, uh, to actually be in this service tonight. There's a lot of history for me here. Some of you wouldn't, wouldn't know this mentioned a little bit, um, but it's a privilege to be here. And it's a joy this evening to preach the Word and share the Word with you. Um, just quickly, that is my beautiful family up there, and that's my wife, Renee. We've been married for, let's think, eight years. I should know that, right? <laughs> it's nine this year. We married for eight in, in October is our anniversary. All right, so uh, Ruben is my eldest. He is six years old, and then Mia is four. Then Kaylee and Lisa Nay, the two cuties there at the end, are they adorable? They are twins. They, are, they just turned three. And then we... Um, Expecting also another baby girl. Yes. So we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just setting the standard, okay? Uh, when you get married, all right, all right, all right. We've always wanted five kids, and God has blessed us with five amazing children. So um, we're thankful. And, um, you know, so. We've been a part of, we've been preaching, um, so some of you, obviously, uh, seems like you're coming back for campus again. Uh, I feel like I need a holiday already, and you guys are only starting, that's really bad. Um, so, uh, maybe I need the good luck. Um, we've been preaching about the biblical uh, view of holiness, and, and the sermon series has been called Set Apart. We've been preaching for the last six weeks, I think, uh, on this biblical view of what it means that God is holy and He's calling us to live a life that is holy and everything in between, right? Um, so if, you've, if you're joining us afresh, um, there's some blanks that's not filled in. We've got podcasts that you can go and listen to. But from my side, welcome. Um, and I know that the beginning of the year, normally, for, for Christians in general and maybe those who are non-Christian and kind of seeking God, and there's always this kind of vibe of church looking and hopping and all of that. And I think it's great that you look for a church, number one, let's just say that's fantastic. Okay, so, so big up to you if you are. But number two is I want to tell you that finding the right church will change your life. And, and there's no one right church. You know, this church is not perfect because you are here <laughs> and I am here. <laughs> All right, some of you caught that. Some of us some of offended over here. These guys don't think it's that bad. But... Um, the truth is, this is not a perfect church, right? Um, but what we strive towards is wanting to, to see Jesus honored, wanting to see his name being made famous in the world, wanting to see disciples made. My life was changed as a student, 23 years, and it changed completely, and I never looked back. I'm going to say to you, if you're entering campus now, and maybe even you are a student, but specifically to the first years, um, I want to tell you that the next few years on campus will be some of the most crucial years of your entire life. Some of the decisions you make, you don't even know. It's going to shape and form the trajectory of your life in a significant way. And I want to tell you, if you would allow Jesus to determine that, that one, trajectory, my English, you will look back. As I'm looking back, and we don't have the time, that's what we'll be preaching about, to go into my past but that was not the hope of my future. That's my family um, I'm pointing to, not set apart. I, I, I would have never imagined that. And, and what are some, some of what I'm experiencing, absolutely the grace of God we've been singing about and been, been talking about. But I want to tell you that if you would allow Jesus, man, you would be thankful. Everything else is but just fluff and not worth it. 
and not worth it. So if you're looking for a church, pray about it. Commit, go for it. I know some, it feels awkward, like asking you to be first year, put up your hand. I, I would feel awkward. Like, but go to church. Allow spiritual family in your life and see what God will do. Amen? Okay. So last week we preached on, I want to jump into the sermon. I want to make a, a comment before I jump into my, uh, my scripture. But last week, just for some context, um, as we were preaching on holiness, we were preaching on holiness lived where we were preaching about how Jesus gives us the status of being holy. And it's not something that we work for or perform to. It's not religious acts that we do. It's something that we gain because of what Jesus done. Amen? And this week, I've been preaching about holiness completed. Holiness completed. Um, we're going to be preaching from the scripture in Revelation. Before you put up that scripture, um, as I was preparing, I, I really just experienced that uh, I just want to make a comment, because I know there's one of two that this is relevant for. And to tell you that there is a battle for your holiness. There is an absolute battle for your holiness. And the devil is not happy that you and I be strengthened, encouraged, and receive the truth so that we may live holy as we are called holy. You know what the plan is of the enemy? He wants to tempt and deceive you with what uh, looks pleasurable and right and good, but it's wrapped up in death. And so that he could only accuse and condemn you. He's called the accuser. You know what accusation is? It's meaning you're feeling condemned. You never feel good enough. You don't feel that you're making it. Like God is, does not like you. Like you need to do more. You're not forgiven. That is what it feels like to be accused or condemned. I want to tell you that the devil is a liar. That if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that he is a liar. And that you are free and that you can live free. And in this time, I just experienced that some of you, there's a heightened of temptation in your life. The devil will tempt you. He will come and present you what I, what I, what I said previously that seems great, but it's not. And we can resist him. We can resist the devil and he will flee from us. Amen? All right. Let's jump into our scripture, Revelation 21, 1 to 7. Father, I pray that as we open up your word tonight, that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, give us perspective where we need perspective, that you would give us new hope where we need new hope. And uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open up your word for us to see you, to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 21, 1 to 7, if you've got your Bibles, you can follow um, and you can also follow on the screen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God, uh, the, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
To the thirsty I will give from the spring of, uh, for, from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And so Revelation, the book of Revelation is, a, is a quite an uh, interesting book, right, if you've ever read uh, Revelation. It's an amazing book full of picture, imagery and vision. And so just a, a quick context for you, that the, uh, the guy who wrote Revelation was John. Um, he was called, well, he called himself the beloved disciple, if you go read John. He refers to himself as the beloved disciple. You know what? He had a revelation of Jesus' love for him, by the way. Um, that's why I said he wasn't like the favorite disciple. He was just, he knew that he was loved by Jesus. God uh, took him to this island, Patmos, and there God revealed to him what would happen, and he showed him the end times and a bunch of things, right? And so the book of Revelation is basically a work that displays the progressive victory of God over sin and evil and death. And originally the book was written to the first century church. And they were struggling. They were facing all sorts of hardships, persecution. They were living in an ungodly Roman society with all sorts of atrocities. And there was internal false teaching as well. And so this book and the vision that God gave was directed towards them for the encouragement of the church to being faithful to Him, to keep on living holy and trusting Him in the reality of what they are facing. And at the same breath, this book is relevant, relevant to us today. And so He's creating this vision, right, of the end time. He's creating this picture of what the reality is of Him who's put His faith in Jesus for His salvation. And what it would look like. And so I'm going to be preaching on what does this mean for us. Um, and so three things I want to mention and make observations in the, in the Scripture. New creation, a new hope, and a new life. A new creation. And then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared for a bride adorned for a husband. And so the picture gives us a sure promise that God is busy making all things new. That He is busy restoring all things onto its original created purpose and intent. So our destination is a new creation. Um, but the story of creation, right, starts in Genesis. In Genesis 1, God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth and everything therein. And then God said it was... Good, yes, and then he created them. The sixth day he created man, Adam and Eve. And he created them. God said afterwards, he said it was very good, right? But you know, Adam and Eve, man, you and I, were supposed to, with the original created intent of God, to reflect his glory and his image. We're created in the image of God, Genesis says, which means we are to portray who God is, his holiness, his goodness, his love, his perfection. That was the purpose. And we were to harness uh, creation, work it, rule over it, so that God may be further known and seen and loved and adorned and worshipped. That was the original intent. But we know that the, at the fall, everything got messed up, right? And everything got lost. Man distrusted God, and he distrusted His Word. He believed the lie of the enemy, and then, they f and then the result was sin, and sin gave rise to death, which started the decay of our world. Now, you, you don't need to look far. You probably just need to look as far as your own life, your own family, 
the world that we live in today, to see death around us, to see the decay, and to know that something is wrong, man, that this is not the way things should be. And it was all lost at the fall. And so three main things were lost at the fall. There were a lot more, but three main things. Number one, we lost perfect fellowship with God. We lost this intimate, perfect relationship with God that helped us understand and know exactly how relationship works. Number one. Number two, we lost immortality, our, our ability to live forever. You know that God created you and I to live forever? Uh, his purpose was that it would never end, that the life that He determined would never end. And number three, we lost um, the creative mandate to rule and to reign and to have life in abundance, a perfect life, free of sin, <laughs> free of death, free of sorrow. That's what was lost. But Jesus came to restore that which was lost, church. In verse 4, He says, And He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. You know what? Many people live with a theology of doom and gloom. What does that mean? Well, that everything is bad, and that it will just get worse, and that there's nothing that we can do about it. There's some of us that have the theology that, man, if you, even some of us who are Christians, we read like, even Revelation, look how bad it gets. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what you believe? Uh, you probably have no hope in your heart. And that kind of theology and thinking would lead you to a life of self. And you know what it would do? Let's protect self. Let's live for self. Let's just gain for self. And it leaves you also with no hope because you think things can't get better. And therefore, I have to live for self. They do not believe that Jesus is making all things new. I want to tell you that where you see things are getting worse, it's not a sign. It's, it, uh, it's not the sign that the battle is lost. Uh, it's not evidence the battle is lost. The battle is already won. It only points to the reality that Jesus is coming back. And the truth is, church, the battle is won. At the cross of Calvary, the battle was won. Jesus already... Uh, got the victory on the cross, at the cross. He already paid for what you and I had to pay for. He already dealt with what needed to be dealt with, what was lost at the fall, so that we may be the beneficiaries of it. What happened at the cross was the curse of the decay of creation was reversed. In Galatians 3.13 it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us from that curse, right? At the cross, there was victory. There was absolute victory. And some of us live like, uh, we, we, like, we, like I still need to, we still need to make it. I want to tell you that we live from victory. If you believe in Jesus today, you approach every situation from a place of victory. You don't have to work towards it. You don't have to gain it. You can live from a place of understanding that God is with you and that He's already done it, and that you can approach it with a boldness in your heart and a surety that I'm winning. Uh, there, there's no one here that would support a winning team. Ach, a losing team, right? Winning team. A losing team, right? Or even worse, to play for them. If you know that it's going to end all bad, if you know that they're going to lost, will you even try? No, you won't. But something different in your soul happens when you know we've got this, man. You know that how it ends, you've got the picture of end. 
in Christ, there is absolute victory for us. But I still want to tell you that there's a battle to fight. There's still a battle that you and I, and it's a battle for our souls. It's a battle for your holiness. It's a battle for your eternal salvation and your life with God right here, but also for eternity. And the devil does not want you to have that life. He does not want it for you. He wants to deceive you into living and taking and believing something contrary. But Jesus has something more in store for us. So the kingdom of God is advancing. In Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, God gives Daniel, he speaks to him about the end times. And he reveals to him what Jesus would be, what would happen. And a short piece here in Daniel 7, 14 says, And him, to him, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. That all people, all nations, all languages should serve him. And this dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Although you and I may see the effects of sin and the decay of the fall of man in this world, I want to tell you that the kingdom of God is advancing. It is still advancing. It is making its way forward. Uh, in Revelation 21, 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Friends, what was lost in Genesis uh, will be regained in Revelation. What was lost, Jesus has redeemed the cross. Jesus called out, it is finished, right? Take the last That's what he shouted out. It was already done. Every single battle that you find, I want to remind you, church, there's no mountain too big for God to move. There's no, there's no person too far from God that cannot be redeemed. There's no situation hopeless enough that it cannot be redeemed or healed or made new. He is busy making all things new. It has already started. And the reality is that if you have put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a beneficiary and a partaker of this glorious, the gloriousness, if that is a word, of Him making all things new. Amen? We are also partakers of what Jesus is being busy making new. Uh, in, in, in Romans 8, it says that the creation, listen to this, the creation waits for the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed. <laughs> the creation waits for us to rise up and stand up and do what reflect the glory and the holiness of God. His original created intent and purpose. Verse 19 to 21, Romans 8, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory to the children of God. I want to tell you that we hold the keys as the children of God to play a part in the restoration of all things, church. We play a part. God has called you. He's called me so that we play a part in fixing that which was stolen and broken. And so if the whole earth is waiting, church, how are you living your life today? Are you living one that is defeated? Are you living as 
one just for self? Are you living today to share the gospel with a broken world? Point number two, a new hope. A new hope. And so this scripture speaks about, right, we can see that's the end picture of eternity and how it all ends. And I can tell you what, what's going to happen is we win. <laughs> that I can tell you what it, it will be for those who put their faith in Jesus, right? So it creates this picture of the eternal and the temporal. And many Christians live as if earth is your destination, right? Many live this life as if this is the, the final destination, the final place that you would be. And so this is a piece of rope. I don't know if you know Francis Chan. He made this beautiful illustration that I'm going to show you tonight. And so you see this rope. Uh, this rope runs out that door. And um, I asked the power team this morning that they run it all the way to Cape Town. Greenpoint Stadium came back. It just kind of made it out back. And so this life, right? So, so just so it's, uh, the illustration is yeah, it's really long, right? I don't know how long in kilometers, but it's really long. But this rope represents your life. It represents your entire life. And you see this little piece over here, this tape, beautiful little black tape, represents your life on earth. And so in the, in the light and the perspective of eternity, you and I are only for this short time on earth. Versus what God has for us. And, and in fact, that, that rope, when it comes back to Greenpoint, uh, we send the power team back again. And they bring it back again. And then they circle the globe a few times. And then still it doesn't end because it's eternity with God, which we cannot even comprehend. Your small mind cannot comprehend it. But that is the promise that God has for you and I. It is that. And with this reality, as Christians, we have made the temporal uh, so big forgetting the reality of the eternal. We have started valuing too much that which is only temporal and which is fading away. We have made it to a bigger thing and we are living for it with all our lives. And I want to tell you, it will fade away. For some, it fades away quick as they die before an old age. And for those who would die as an old age, that is the day it will come. And then that will be the place where you, have, where you have, could have made the choice right over here. Right over here is the, is the choice where you would make where you will end up and where you would live your entire life. Whether, where you, whether you would be exp experience separation from God and eternal damnation and hell or eternal life with Him that promised you it, right? And we only have this short moment to make that decision. We have it here and now. And the devil wants to keep you bound in that which is temporal, church. He wants to mislead you into believing that the temporal will give you fulfillment, satisfaction, meaning, and purpose. But you'll find out that it's never enough. It will get you to chase after money. It will get you to chase after what you think the world is keeping in front of you is success. And as a, as, as a student, uh, there's many temptations around you. There's many things hap happening around you. And there's a lot of confusion that kind of happening. And I want to tell you, there's only one direction for you that will help you understand and experience the life that God has for you. And that is the Word of God. That is the Word of God is your direction. Amen? And so Jesus, friends, has called us to be set apart. To set apart to live holy and righteous for Him. 
And so in the light of eternity, in the light of this glorious picture of how it all ends and and the perspective of eternity, I want to ask you a question tonight. How are you living your life? Have you made the temporal the ultimate? Have you made it so much about just chasing after the things that's going to give you seeming success? Or have you made it about what is of true value, and that is Jesus? I, I want to tell you that it's not worth it. It is not worth it. In the perspective of eternity, it's not worth it. You know that relationship, uh, uh, that bitterness that your heart that you have, that relationship that is not working? I'm not talking about like your dating relationship and that thing didn't work out. I'm talking about maybe the relationship between your parents or your siblings or that um, or someone from another race that you feel animosity against, I want to tell you it's not worth it. Or that opportunity, that opportunity to get into bed with that person, I want to tell you it is not worth it. In the light of eternity, friends, in the light of the life that Jesus has for you and I, what He paid for at the cross, it's not worth it. It is absolutely not worth it, and He's calling us to this greater life. And finally, point number three, a new life. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with, with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You know, the goal, you know what the goal is of holiness? The goal of holiness is simply to live in perfect relationship with God. That is the ultimate goal of holiness, and that's the ultimate purpose that, that we see and that we read in Revelation and that is what God wants for you. You don't know what the purpose of your life is? You know where you would find, really find, the purpose of your life? You're not going to find it by chasing the things in this world. You're going to find it in the one that created it. In perfect relationship with Him. That's where you find it. That's the beginning of it. And that's how it will end also. And verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I'm sure that if I have to stand still at every single one of you tonight, that you can tell me some story, some sort in your life of some sort of pain, some sort of tears, maybe even death, right? Some of us even now may be experiencing some sort of sickness. Maybe in your family have experienced some death. The reality in this world is that this is what the fall has created. But I want to tell you that there is a better life waiting for us. I want to tell you that there is a promise in Christ and a new creation of no pain, of no evil, of no death, of no shame, of no tears. And you know what that does? It gives us hope. It gives us new hope of a future. You know why? This world does not have the last say. This situation in this world does not have the last say. What's happening in our country at the moment? Not the last say. That sickness in your family? Not the last say. Your financial desperation? Not the last say. God has got the last say. He declares it in Revelation. But at the same time, there's something between the cross and Revelation, and that is that we have hope. We have absolute own heaven, and He will wipe away those tears. And then finally, 
To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have the, well, this heritage. They will be, I will be his God and he will be my son or daughter. You know what Jesus promised? Excuse me. He promises that those who seek after him and hunger for him, he will be filled. He promises that those who run after him, right, uh, thirst. I don't know whom of you have been really, really, really thirsty, right? That's what the, the scripture talks about. Like, you're really, really thirsty, really young. I love food. Um, I eat a lot. It doesn't seem to help. But I really love food. And um, the only way that you can really be satisfied if there's a nice big table set over here with some nice food is you need to come hungry, right? Otherwise, if you're full, you've had your McDonald's, and, and there's a nice, like my mother-in-law, she's a plast honey. Yes, she makes like a food. One of the reasons why I married my wife. Uh, what is that? Achtergrond. <laughs> just kidding, okay? Just kidding. Like you would just kind of pull up your nose because your stomach is bloated because of McDonald's. Don't eat McDonald's, by the way. Um, no, kidding. I, I shouldn't say that. Um, it's bad for you. You need to come and... <laughs> You need to, I'm just helping you live healthier, students. You need to come hungry, man, for you to enjoy and be filled with the right things. And this world wants you to be filled. The devil wants to fill you with stuff that never satisfy. That one-night stand, never satisfied. You just run from relationship to relationship. You run from one job to the next. You run from one thing to the next because you're not filled. And you never will be. And Jesus promises that you will be filled. If you seek after Him, if you thirst for Him, if you hunger for Him. Amen? Amen. And so can the band come up as I conclude? I want to tell you, church, that in Christ, in Christ, you and I can live a life that is holy. You need to hear me quickly. In Christ, you can live a life that is, that is holy. And now, will you get it wrong? Yes, you will. But I want to tell you that at the cross... When Jesus died, he died for your sin. Not just, uh, that was just for effect. <laughs> He's going to get it right now, all right? He, he, he didn't just die. You know, the moment when you kind of decided to repent, and you're like, and you realize that you, you, you're in need of a Savior, you realize that nothing that I can do, no amount of church going, Bible reading, religious activity cannot save you. When you, when you get, got to that point and you got saved and you experienced the grace of Jesus, you're like, and just so incredibly thankful. A couple of years down the line. Ah, oh, I got it wrong. His grace didn't change. What he did at the cross is shouting into eternity. And all you and I need to do is we need to run back to the cross. That's what we need to do. We need to run to the one that created you, the one who loves you, the one who knows what your life is all about. And the one who wants to give you life, church, the only one who has the keys of this life. He's calling you to run to him. He's calling you to hunger after him. And then he'd be standing there with open arms. Like the parable of the lost son, you remember? He didn't care about his son. He didn't care about what on earth he did, squandering his dad's inheritance, sleeping around and ending up in a pig stein. You know, he 
he was just too glad that he was coming home. I don't want to tell you, it's the position of the cross. It's open arms. He's inviting you in. Into a deeper life with him if you know him. To trust and believing him with all your life. And giving it all for him. And in the same, if you do not know him, and if you've not put your faith in Jesus, tonight he's inviting you and saying, come and find life in abundance. Come and be filled with true life, with true hope. Not just now, <laughs> but with the hope of eternity, church. With a real hope of eternity. I want you to stand as I pray for us. And as we respond to this word. <laughs> and Jesus, we are thankful tonight that you died on the cross, that you became a curse so that we may receive the blessing, that you became dead so that we may receive life that you took the pain so that we may become whole and well and healed. Thank you that you're making all things new. Thanking that because of you, we can have hope for a future. And it doesn't, it's not determined on what has happened in my past or who my parents are or what their bank account looks like. But it depends on you. And this morning, ach, this evening, Lord, <laughs> we want to afresh put our faith in you. We want to afresh say, say and humble ourselves before you and say we need you. And we want to live for you. We want to live as set apart to reflect your glory, to be your image to this dying world and to be partakers of making all things new exercising our faith living in the dominion that you've given us so that we may see all things restored there's some of you who you, you do not even believe that that God is inviting you into partnering with him to destroy the works of darkness and he's calling you tonight he's calling you tonight to say you know no 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 you're not living for yourself <laughs> it's just a path of destruction and if there's a desire in your heart tonight, you're saying that uh, I want to live, I want to be partaker of making all things new. I want to be partnering with Jesus to destroy the works of darkness. So I want you to raise your hand. It's just an act of faith saying, yes, Lord, I want to join your mission. Maybe if you have before, that's fine. Um, you can raise it again. Amen. Lord Jesus, will you empower us with your spirit? to live for you boldly, Lord. Will you empower us to be the hope and the life and the light that you have caused us to be through your grace? Strengthen us, Lord Jesus, to share the gospel with boldness in the dark places, to be your love where there's no love and to be your hope where there's no hope, Lord. Thank you that your spirit is with us and I pray that you would empower your church with such boldness, with your spirit, Lord, to be your church. You can put down your hand. If you have lost hope, 
there's three, three groups of people I want to mention now and then pray for you and then a glass group of people. Number one, if, as I was preaching tonight, maybe and that you know that in your heart there's, maybe it's a hopeless situation or maybe it's just the general hopelessness and despair that you are, that you are experiencing. Maybe it's some sort of, um, uh, it even leading to depression. And you're consumed with the realities of this world and of yourself. The first, if that is you, just, just hang on. That's the first group of people. Second group of people. You're realizing that you're living your life and have dedicated so much more for the temporal than what is to have true value for the eternal. And you've been living after that. So I want to pray for you. And the third group of people. You've been... You've stopped thirsting and hungering after God. You've allowed the stuff in your life and what is around you and maybe to, you know, to look good or whatever to become more important in your life. Other things have started to gain your attention and and fill you. And so if that is you, I want you just to raise your hand. And this is between you and God. If anything I've mentioned and you know there's something, you just need Jesus tonight, you raise your hand as a response in faith towards Him. And so Father, you see every hand. And tonight, firstly, we want to repent. Lord Jesus, we repent of living a life in the temporal and giving it too much meaning that we should have. We repent, Lord, from thirsting and hungering after the things that only leads us to nothing. And Lord Jesus, where there is... uh, where we've not believed and seen that in you we have ultimate hope, Lord Jesus. We repent from that and I pray that you would fill your church, that you would restore them and that you would touch them, that you would give them new hope and new life as you have promised, Lord Jesus, and that they would live for you, hunger for you, that they would live by strength and hope. And the last group of people that I cannot not make this call tonight, If you're sitting here, you have never put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've known a form of religion and you've even gone to church. But you've never put your faith in Jesus to be the one that saves you from your sin. Not your good works. If you want to make Him your Lord and your Savior, and you want to live for Him for your entire life, you want to give it all to Him. I want you to raise your, raise your hand and say, I, I, want to, I want to put my faith in Jesus and give my life to Him. If, if there's anyone that wants to. That's awesome. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. That's awesome. Is there anyone else? I want to tell you, this is the greatest decision that you make of your entire life. And this is the start of life for you. This is the start of what is new. <laughs> and I want to tell you that Jesus is faithful. Yes, there is a battle that we would fight on and tell you that He is faithful. And so, church, will you celebrate with me tonight? Right? And by praying with these people that are putting their faith in Jesus tonight and deciding to make Lord and Savior and follow Him. And so just simply by responding in your heart, uh, by responding with praying out loud and in your heart, okay? I want you to to pray this after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. 
that you've died on the cross for my sin. That you paid it all. And that there's nothing that I can do to be saved by my own works. Tonight I put my faith in you. Tonight I believe you're the Son of God. Jesus, save me. I give my life to you. And I want to live for you. Come and heal me. Come and set me free. And come and give me new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Hallelujah. Amen. You made that prayer tonight. And you made that decision tonight. I want to tell you that you cannot do it alone. All right? You cannot walk this uh, this new life of following Jesus alone. It was always meant to follow Christ together. So don't go and do it in isolation. So, so please, please will you come to the front? I will go and find you, okay? I'll find you. Now, you know why? You need to be discipled, church. We, we need to be discipled so that we can be His disciples and you cannot do this alone. You need spiritual family, man. You need a church and friends around you so that you can do this together and advance His kingdom together. Amen? Amen. And so, maybe let me end off. I almost feel like I don't want to end, but you're like, okay, can you end? Okay, I'll end. I'll end, right? Hebrews 12. I'll end with Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run this race with endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to tell you that Jesus is faithful, that we know how it ends. Run faithful. Run with endurance. Don't give up. You can live holy, church, because you are holy because of Him. Amen? Now I'll end. Okay, amen.